Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on the ones and twos, super producer Brandon Newman and my father, Mike Golick Sr. Dad, uh, how's it going over there in your childhood basement? Oh, man. Flipped the set around today, so I have some different pictures on the wall. Got a couple of props, more props today. It it really makes you relive a little bit, you know? And uh, luckily, I'm by myself because if when you relive around other people, you just sound like an old guy reliving the day telling stories so good thing is my mother's upstairs she's 92 she's doing her thing so she doesn't care right that I'm going through all this stuff and I could just go through it and think about everything and not have the you know be ridiculed like if your mom or you or Jake or Sydney were here where you guys would just ridicule me so I can I can go about it at my own pace so I've been enjoying that yeah, high school nostalgia is, right, better alone or with somebody yes. that you experienced it with. So if you've got one exactly. of your high school buddies, like the wedding I was just at, it was all my high school friends. So we get to relive the glory days and nobody feels bad about it. But you're right, when you're with mixed company, now all of a sudden everybody wonders, oh, are you just trying to show off? Especially, Dad, in your guy's basement in the house that you're in right now, it's like a shrine to your guy's athletic accomplishment. There's just, you guys did medals better than my generation did we had like ribbons and dumb trophies right you guys had metal like you guys medals like you were like war heroes coming back home and a lot of the medals quite honestly the first thing sport i did from like six to 14 was swim just like your sydney your sister sydney got a lot of medals and ribbons that swimming gives that's what they give out so that's what a lot of the medals were but yeah you're right my mom and dad i mean there's a whole trophy case over here and and stuff on the walls that I was looking at that and a lot of it's been taken down. You know, a lot of it is like, hey, you want this stuff? And, and you know, the answer is no, because I'm not going to clutter up my house with this stuff. It'll just end up in a box somewhere. I, I want to know quickly from you, when you were at this wedding, and, and I'm sure everybody has dealt with this, when you went somewhere where you had a bunch of your high school friends, can you tell the person 
of the group whose stories were probably still the best of his life in high school and never has really gotten better. And they just keep really harping on that. And, and you, where you start to go, Oh wow. You know what, what went on after high school doesn't sound like a whole lot of good. <laughs> yeah. Big, big peaked in high school vibes. You know, you're always, you're always kind of on edge for that. And honestly, I was very thankful. Most of my friends didn't fall into that category. Like we got some out there and some memories, but for the most part, everyone was doing really well. So shout out to the Northwest class of 2008. Boom. Uh, I see y'all working. Um, we got a great show for you guys. Today. As <laughs> always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. So you can see not only dad's background, but coming up shortly, we will have uh, dad's show and tell from his basement. We have tasked him with finding an item each and every day while he is at home to show off to us, to kind of take us back. And today is going to tap into my father's deepest, darkest memory. We also have Shana Goldman, uh, writer at The Athletic, covering the NHL and co-host of Too Many Men to stop by after we had the draft lottery for the NHL last night. But dad, there is no place on earth that we could start today but the Lonnie Walker game. Where were you when Lonnie Walker the fourth went off for 15 points for the Los Angeles Lakers in the fourth corner as they take a 3-1 lead against the Golden State Warriors? I mean, is there any coming back from this, Dad? Once Lonnie Walker dubs you like that in the fourth quarter, series got to be over for Golden State. So th- this is what I talked about yesterday, and th- you just exchanged the name. It was Landry Shamit, right, uh, for, for yep. Phoenix. He was the one who stepped up in the fourth quarter, hit a bunch of threes, and and so we'll always talk about the stars, but who's that that next guy? So this time it was Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker was a starter at the beginning of the season. He got hurt and then came back and ended up out of the rotation, especially after the trade deadline when, they, when the Lakers kind of reformed their team. So he was a starter to now out of the rotation. And all they talked about was a great attitude he had. He just kept working his butt off, you know, knowing that an opportunity may show up. Game one of this series, he didn't play. Game two, he had nine points. Game three, 12 points. And here he goes, scoring 15 fourth quarter points on six of nine shooting to pull uh, L.A. uh, or or keep them, I should say, uh, ahead, keep them in victory. They're up 3-1 now on Golden State after some uncharacteristically bad shooting, even though Steph had a triple-double, missed a couple shots at the end, had a turnover at the end as well. And I loved it because it was the first thing that LeBron talked about after the game. The guy doing the reporting said, I'm going to ask you about two names. And LeBron said, the first one better be Lonnie Walker. And he just started gushing about him. So very cool for him. Yeah, I love that LeBron James didn't miss a beat and miss the opportunity to say that he told Lonnie Walker to stay ready and that his moment was coming yeah. here as nobody believes <laughs> yeah, LeBron continuing to predict the future like that. But um, yeah, it, it was, I I realized when I was looking that up this morning too, Lonnie Walker made the mistake of being good during football season for the Lakers when no one was paying attention in November and December. Yep. And so by the time yep. the Cavalry showed up at the trade deadline, he was long gone. But I you know remember him at Miami, 2018 was a first rounder for the Spurs and now this that was a concept we talked about with JJ Redick when he came on the pod he mentioned everyone always talks about Batmans and Robins he's really interested in the Alfreds that tertiary guy that third guy that comes up and the Lakers team structure is really interesting because outside of AD and LeBron you could argue it's an entire Alfred outfit it's not like the Warriors where we've got a lot of questions about their team. Steph played great, but Klay Thompson, not only low output night, single digit scoring, but a couple really questionable shots in the last two minutes of that game. Fast shots, deep shots in possessions where, yeah, Klay Thompson gets the green light most anywhere because he's got the benefit right, of right. history. But in those moments, they weren't good decisions objectively at a time where Golden State had a real chance to win this game. Jordan Poole, zero points on the night. 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 4, 0 for 2 from 3, and has been a real non-factor in this postseason. You've got a lot of different guys that are getting questions about them because there's expectation based on ability, based on their contract. Whereas for the Lakers, there's expectations on two people. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And both went out last night and had fine games. LeBron had 27, AD had 23. And shades of Kevin Love from the 2016 NBA Finals putting the cuffs on Steph Curry at the top of the key. As much as anything else, you can criticize Steph Curry for not trying to go and take Anthony Davis to the rack when it's a one or two point game and just settling for the outside shots. 
But outside of those two guys, no one really has any expectations on them. If Austin Reeves comes out and has a 21-point game, cool. Yeah. But we don't expect them to do that night in and night out. Rui Achimura the same way. And now add Lonnie Walker to that list with D'Lo and uh, the rest of these guys. It's a great structure for a role player, Dad, that we always talk about where you don't have everyone bearing down on you. LeBron and AD provide that cover so these guys can feel comfortable and go out and really excel in the roles like this. Well, and throw in Jared Vanderbilt, right? Especially defensively. Yeah. It's not always about points, but defensively. And it was interesting that the strategy that Golden State went with, they go with three guards. So 19 blocks in the first three games for the Lakers. AD has 11 of them. So Golden State comes out with three guards to pull everybody out, and they pulled AD out. And AD out there covering the bigs or covering a, a, the, the point is pretty interesting, a guy that big. And again, LeBron singing the praises of AD defensively, but able to do that. But they only had one block last night, and it was one of those sweeping blocks by LeBron on Steph Curry. That was it. Golden State actually had 52 points in the paint because they were able to pull AD out of there with the lineup that they had. And Golden State had, a, a what, a 12-point lead late in the third quarter. So you kind of thought, uh-oh, are they going to steal one back, you know, and get home court back in this one? Um, but right, you know, right now the, the, the Lakers were able to finish him off, as we mentioned this time around, it was Lonnie Walker. So it's so wild. In the East, you have an eighth seed in Miami, one game away yep. from knocking out the Knicks up 3-1. to one. And here you have a seventh seed in the Lakers, one game away from heading to the Western Conference Finals. So pretty impressive. It's showing Adam Silver's got to be puffing his chest out about the play-in games, right? Because you could have two play-in teams playing in each conference final very shortly. It's also really another death knoll for the NBA's regular season, right? Like, if you're going right. to put any value in what goes on in the regular season, these two teams are the complete antidote for that. And a reminder that, like anything else, man, health is so important. Like, the Lakers got the right pieces, but also got healthy down the stretch. The Miami Heat, certainly. Tyler Hero going down in the first round, that's absolutely a blow. But you get the best version of Jimmy Butler, who actually cares about basketball at this time of the season. And this time of the season only, while you've got Joel Embiid dealing with that knee injury over there. Giannis missing a couple games in the first round. The Western Conference has had scattered injuries from some of the top teams. And so, you put that priority there... And now we're at this point where, all right, the last stanza we saw from Golden State, every one of their big three made some critical error down the stretch, right? Draymond has the bad pass on the final possession. Oh. Clay with a couple of bad shots. Steph Curry with the turnover to really end the game when he's on his back on the ground after those questionable shots. Now they go back home down 3-1. Dad, does Golden State have any chance or do you believe that the Corgi, who has so far predicted, the basketball-making Corgi, predicted yeah. every game in the order of this series, who had the Lakers up 3-1, he predicts the Warriors win in seven. Do you think this series is over, or are you rocking with the Corgi? I mean, listen, the way that Golden State can shoot, there's no way it's over. But, you know, you got to give the Lakers credit just for what we've talked about. The other players that have stepped up, the supporting role has been fantastic. Now... That supporting role, and they always play better at home. Can they do it on the road, right? Can they go back and do it on the road, and who can step up there? So we'll see. I, I, a big question to me, because you mentioned it about all the mistakes they made, and we see more and more of that driving, you know, turning the corner of the baseline and passing from under the basket, and, and, and Draymond got in the air and had to be like, oh, my God. But I do want to ask you a, a question on, on the other side of this about when do you say Clay and Steph – don't ever have a green light. I mean, they're always going to be given the benefit of the doubt, aren't they? You would think, and I think that's going to be clear, key, that answer to what happens as this series shifts back to Golden State. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar... 
Call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. So, Dad, the question now is the Lakers and Golden State series shifts back to the Chase Center and back to home court for Golden State is which force is going to win out here? Because you're right. The role players are expected to play well at home the way they did for the Lakers. And what we saw from Clay, Steph, and Draymond down the stretch was very out of character for them as far as the decision-making and really cracking in a big moment. We're not used to seeing that from that particular right. core. So as the series shifts back to a home game for them, the question is, do you try and curtail that at all? What adjust do you make if you're Steve Kerr? I've seen a lot of people barking, wondering why Jonathan Kaminga's not playing minutes. Certainly, Kevon Looney been dealing with illness, and that affects some of their rotation as they've gone small. Right. But do you really try and curb Draymond, Steph, or Clay at all? My answer generally tends to be no. Those guys have yeah. built enough of it up over time. Yep. We're seeing the age show for all of them, right? I think Steph Curry in particular, the one change you'd probably make is – you can't clearly have him do that again if you want him to be the guy or need him to be the guy down the stretch. It's the reason we've seen LeBron James as the direct ball handler less, right? They went point guard LeBron for the fourth quarter a lot last right. night, did the Lakers. But Steph Curry was distributing largely the entire game. This was a complete point guard performance. And you could see even he was a bit gassed. Steph Curry, who seems to have limitless energy, looked yeah. a little bit his age in the fourth quarter, and those legs showed up on some shots that ended up short. I think you do have to find ways to not necessarily have him be the only primary initiator of offense because of the attrition and the effect that that has on him down the stretch. And part of that's then going to fall on Clay or Draymond being able to shoulder a little bit more of the load and you need them firing on all cylinders. You know, usually when you get in the playoffs, and then especially you make a bit of a run into the playoffs, you're never really changing. You're just tweaking, right? I mean, you got there by playing the way you play. You make your adjustments like, you know, three guards, you know, make a kind of smaller ball, pull AD out. That was an adjustment. But you're still playing that game of relying. Now, Wiggins took more shots than Clay Thompson last night, but mainly, you know, you're, you're, you're relying on your guys. And last night it was... For Thompson and Curry, they were 15 of 41 off from field goals and 6 of 23 three points. So they weren't hitting. But that's why I asked you in the last segment is, when do you say don't take that shot? Because they've both proven they can hit jumpers, they can, they can drive the lane, they can hit threes, and they can hit threes from eight feet beyond the three. They've done all of that. So when do you say... Don't do it. Is, is Steve Kerr ever on the si sideline going, no, 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 yes, you know, with one, when one, one of those guys is going to take a shot. But you saw Steph miss the, 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 the jumper inside the three-point. They get the rebound. They kick it back to him. He wastes no time and takes, you know, about a 30-footer, you know, and misses again, which is because every time he shoots a three, I expect it to go in, as I'm sure, sure. he does. So that's what I wonder. I mean, are you – so after the game, are you telling Clay, hey, these were bad decisions? Or is it like, hey, we've we've got hardware. We've we've got hardware to prove everything we've done. So if you feel that's the shot to take, take the shot. Not saying that that they're infallible and they're not going to make mistakes, but that's what I wonder. Where is the line of saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that or don't do that here? I would say probably right shot, wrong time, right? You're not mad at Clay Thompson for taking those shots from distance. Just the same way that people talked about that Jordan Poole shot from the other night. Part of it's about, well, in one of those Clay shots, there was like 14 seconds left on the on the uh, shot clock. And the other one, there was maybe five or six, but there was still time to maybe improve that at a point where you didn't need threes to necessarily put it away there. That might be the only thought, but... So much of what you talked about, the tweaks that Golden State's making in that effect, has come from Anthony Davis. Like, I want to give him credit because yeah, what yeah. we talk about, the opportunity in Game 5, and really the series, even if it hasn't been point output, LeBron called Anthony Davis the best defender in the league. He has shaped the way that this series has gone about. Golden State's used three different starting lineups, I think, to try and figure out ways like last night to draw him out of the paint and neutralize him. And I heard Stan Van Gundy apoplectic that they wouldn't just keep running the same pick and roll with him matched up on the outside. And the Lakers on the other side were content to kind of give up 
a couple of extra three-point attempts from various guys on that Golden State roster when you looked at them. Andrew Wiggins was getting a lot of open attempts that he just missed during that game. And that was by design as you had Anthony Davis on him kind of sloughing off. So I think the key probably going back to Golden State, and I'd be curious how you see this, is Anthony Davis. You kind of lucked into something for the Lakers last night. AD in the fourth quarter was lava offensively. They didn't even try to involve him in their sets. They just put him off to the side and let him go, which means outside of having to play defense on Steph, probably got a little bit of a break in that fourth quarter lining Mm -hmm. up for one of the games that usually works well for AD, the odd number games as they shift back. Because on the road, it's got to be him or Braun. You can't expect it to be Austin Reeves or Lonnie Walker or any of these guys when you go back to chase. So they're lining up for an AD game. And for the Lakers who are going to need this rest as much or more than any team left in the postseason, it's got to be him coming up in this next game. I don't know how you see it. Oh yeah. No, no, listen, I definitely do what he has done. And and you still, if you're a Laker fan, I'm sure you still hold your breath or cross your fingers every time he, he almost falls down or falls down because if he gets hurt, it's over. I mean, because he has been, absolutely dominant in the middle. So, yeah, that's the expectation. Though I wonder, are we going to get Game 5? Do you have the same feeling in Game 5 that we both had in Game 2 when the Lakers stole the first one in Golden State and we said Game 2 in Golden State is going to be a route? And it was an absolute route by Golden State. And then L.A. did the same thing in L.A. in Game 3. So now it's Game 5. The, the Lakers can obviously give up one here. They're up 3-1. Going back to Golden State, because then Game 6 would be back in L.A. where they could close it out. Not saying they want to close it out at home. My point is how good Golden State is at home and how bad they've been on the road. Is it one of those games where, like Game 2, the amount you put into it to say, okay, let's make sure we're ready for Game 6 if things don't go well, instead of completely selling out to end it. I know the players will want to do that, but... My expectation is Golden State is going to come out at home and and maybe do what they did in game two. My biggest worry is the minutes adding up because you're right. Quick turnaround. LeBron and AD both played 43 minutes in this game. They right. knew they had to have it at home. And so I do worry about trying to get that performance with those kind of minutes and miles logged on their legs. So that'll be the key factor. I don't have that same feeling. I feel like LeBron, especially with the benefit of experience with this team, knows the last thing he wants to do is wind up on the other side of the 3-1 meme when it's all said and done. So he's got history to play against. But coming up next, let's look at history getting ready to be made for one franchise in the NHL after their lottery went off. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, before we get to our NHL talk with Shayna Goldman from Too Many Men, very excited to check in with her. Dad, you are back in your childhood home. You are in your childhood basement. Mm-hmm. You're poking around there all week, and we tasked you with giving us some items for show and tell. So you gave us yesterday a look at your – we mistakenly ID'd it as your freshman high school ID. It was your senior yeah. year ID. We did some math. Right. You weren't the world's largest 14-year-old. What have you got for no. us today? Well, I've, I changed the backdrop now. Yesterday it was a backdrop of, of Jerry West, Larry Zonka, and, and others – now I switched it to uh, my brother Bob, myself, my brother Greg and I, and then myself again, 
Now, you know, I guess, you know, it's being a little cocky, but uh, we put these up on the wall for, <clears throat> for our parents. So going around, I found a football, one of the all area, all league teams that I was on. I'm up in the corner uh, of this one. I'm sure we can, uh, you know, at some point I, I, I would be bad at pointing. Uh, I don't know where I'm pointing. I'm over. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't point. You Never pointed mind. to several but different guys. I have no I, idea I, where I you did. are. Perfect. The thing that gets me the most. Okay, here it is. The bane of my sporting existence. This is the plaque. This was a third place finish in oh. the Ohio Wrestling State Championship. It's a plaque for third place. This, I, 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 I don't want it. I took it. I wasn't happy about taking it but I don't want it. This was back in 1981. So in 1975, my brother Bob was the first state champ at our, at our high school, St. Joe's high school. And one of the guys I respect, uh, you know, so much was the coach, John story coached me in football and us in wrestling as well. And Bob won. And I remember I was watching that. I was 11 years old and coach story picked him up and carried him around the mat. And I was, I remember being 11 or 12 watching that and saying, I'm going to get Coach Story to pick me up like that. Fast forward to my senior year. Um, I was ranked the top heavyweight in the, in the state. I was ranked number one going into the state tournament. And my first match was against Kirk Loudermilk. I think, I think uh, I forgot where, where he was from, I think. But he, I ended up playing against him in the NFL. He played for the Vikings and the Colts. And I played against him in the Ohio North-South All-Star game as well after that. So we wrestled in, in the first round. So I was the top seed, so which means he was one of the lower seeds. And I lost. I, I mean, I, I lost. And, and listen, kudos to him. He was the better wrestler in that match. And he won. But I can't tell you, Mike, the disappointment that I had in, in, in that. He ended up winning the state championship. He beat a guy in the finals who I had pinned maybe a month earlier in a tournament. That's who he beat in the finals. So I had to watch that. I had to go on that podium as a third-place finisher, and he was the champion. And it is easily the, the worst sports moment of my life. And the biggest thing is, is, is I didn't get Coach Story to carry me off the mat, which is what I wanted. It was that since 11 years old, I wanted that. I see him to this day, and I say, Coach, I still say, Coach, I'm sorry. And he's like, Mike. Let it go. <laughs> Move on. You were 18. You're 60 now. Move on. I'm like, I can't. I can't move on. It's the worst. I mean, so much so we had Loudermilk on when I was doing the show at ESPN. We'd have him on air to talk about it. My wife literally asked him, will you wrestle him again just so he can get it out of his system? Um, but yeah, easily the worst sporting moment of my life. I still don't know how I lost that. But again, credit him. He went out and he won. He won it. I didn't lose it, but I felt like I did. And it was just a, a horrid moment, Mike. Just a horrible, horrible moment. And I have this plaque to always remind me of that horrible, horrible moment. I'm amazed you kept it. Uh, for anyone not watching, it's literally a square block of wood with a plaque on it. It reeks of third place. It really does live up yes, to its title yes, sake. it does. Didn't... Didn't Kurt Loudermilk walk off the mat and get offered by Ohio State there? He had, I don't think he had a lot of offers, and the, the tournament was on the campus of Ohio State. And yes, you're correct. Uh, he beat me, and after that tournament, he got an offer from Ohio State. Um, and again, that do was after he won Do you feel like you launched his like, football career then? Do you feel like he owes you a thank you for that? No, no. I, I feel <laughs> like crap, Mike. I feel there's nothing. You know, we, we tell him Brandon the story before the show started, and he was trying to say, oh, at least you got it out early. This I'm like, no, no, no. There is no sugarcoating this. There is no comforting me on this. There is no upside to this. There is nothing positive I take from it, ever. It was the worst sports moment of my life. Nothing will change that. I'm happy for Loudermilk that he got an offer from Ohio State, went on to have a very nice NFL career. Again, like I said, we played against each other a few times there as well. But no. I feel nothing. I, Mike, because of this third-place wrestling plaque, am dead inside. I am dead inside from this. It will haunt me for the rest of... It may be my last breath on earth. As I say goodbye to all you guys is, I can't believe I took third place. That might be it. And I may just go right from there. 
that will absolutely be what kills you. I'm really racking my brain to try and think of if I have anything in my sporting life that I am so regretful of. Like, I never played an individual sport as long as you right. did with wrestling, right? Like, you're technically part of a team, but it was like Sydney was swimming where it's so individual-based. Right. I wrestled for a little bit, but not long enough to have a memory like this. So all of my regrets are, like, team sport-based. It's, right. yeah, my high right. school team got jobbed my junior year from going to States oh. because a team that we had won used an illegal player who was academically ineligible. And so because of Connecticut's FUBAR high school point system for the state tournament, we ended up getting knocked out on the best team I would have played on. Obviously, the Alabama title is a regret, and it's a you know yeah. memory that sucks, but there's not yeah. a ton that we were going to do in the face of one of the best college football teams yeah. of all time. So <laughs> I, I don't really have – something that sticks in my craw the same way because wrestling's personal right it's like in saving private ryan that scene where the guy's upstairs fighting with the german sh the the soldier and he yeah. shushes yeah. them while he puts the knife in there that's essentially yeah. what this sounds like it, it, yeah i got the knife put in me that's exactly right uh there, there i mean yes and and that's one of the things i love about wrestling i love wrestling as much as football that it's it is while you are part of a team it is it's you and another guy and it's who, who's better in those six minutes. That's it. You know, that's what it comes down to. And that's why I love, and, and it helped football a lot with leverage and such, but that's what it comes down to. And walking off that mat, sitting down there and having coach talk to me after that, I, it was still a blur to me. Like I said, I went out and took third place and, and, and couldn't have felt crappier. I, I, I don't think I cracked a smile um, like I was smiling before that first match. For the rest of that weekend, it was it was absolutely horrid. And, and listen, I hope you never have a moment like that. And maybe a lot of people will say, uh, like you know, let it go, man. My God, seriously. And I should. And listen, it's not like I wake up every day and and trudge through life thinking I failed as a high school senior wrestler and it's ruined my life. But you know, when I go out and talk to people, do do speeches and what people always ask me. What's the worst sports moment? And they expect to hear a Notre Dame story or an Eagle story or something in the pros. And I always say high school, high school wrestling. I mean, it's, it, it's the easiest recall story of me to tell anywhere. And I, I cannot stress enough to everybody. My dad can barely remember what he had for breakfast most days. So the fact that this is so crystal clear in his mind, it's just a reminder, sports pain and our failures are a different kind of memory. They And maybe it's just the way certain position groups are wired, but I can pretty vividly see most of the sacks that I ever gave up. And unfortunately, there's a few more in that repertoire than I want. I remember the play where I basically knew my chance of making the Saints my last training camp was over when Tyler Davidson, who was a tackle, D-tackle out of, I think, Fresno State was like a six-round draft pick for them, just put me on my ass in the middle of a two-minute drill. I overset, got bull rushed, landed on the ground, looked up, and saw uh, Coach Ingles, who was the, uh, Brett Ingles, who was the offensive line coach. He just shook his head because it's in the middle of a two-minute drill and we kept moving but it was at that point the look I saw in his eyes I said I'm probably going to need to get ready to go pro in something other than sports here pretty soon and let me tell you doesn't that stuff burn into your brain it's seared into your mind forever those moments and Mike what you said believe me it's not by position I have said this all the time athletes everywhere will remember the bad more than the good you know, they win championships. Obviously, they'll remember that. But for them personally, they'll remember when they get beat like you did or when I got beat like I did or when something they did something bad on the court. They'll remember that, and that'll be seared in their mind more than the good will be seared in their mind. That That is athletes everywhere. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty remarkable thing. And, and you might be human beings everywhere, but I think specifically with athletes, because you have so many clearly defined moments, it's win or loss. There's no gray area like there is in the rest of life. Um, by the way, uh, speaking of athletes, and we're having some technical difficulties with Shayna, we're hoping to, get her, hoping to get her on to talk some hockey. But, Dad, in the meantime, speaking of athletes that are going to have an interesting story to tell, what the hell's going on at Iowa right now? And I should say in yeah. Iowa, not at Iowa, because it's the Iowa schools. Between the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Iowa State Cyclones, 
the amount of gambling issues that are going on among those two schools. The University of Iowa announced Monday 26 athletes across five sports and one full-time athletic department employee are suspected of wagering on sports in violation of NCAA rules. This comes in addition to Iowa State acknowledging that some of its 15 uh, some 15 of its athletes across three sports, football, wrestling, and track, are suspected of violating gambling rules. Iowa said in total it received information about 111 individuals, although 26 of those are on, only 26 are current athletes involved in this, as Iowa is one of the states that's got legal gambling. Apparently, the police came to them with potential criminal conduct related yeah. to sports wagering suggested to them by law enforcement on Wednesday that may also violate NCAA rules. This, dead coming not long after what we saw in the NFL, the suspensions for Calvin Ridley last year, for Jamison Williams and a number of players this year, this is one, I, I guess, shouldn't be overly surprising, right? With the ease that sports wagering can come now yeah. that it's mo on people's mobile devices and with how clearly we've seen easy it is for organizations to track that, this feels inevitable, but this kind of volume and this concentration around the state of Iowa is wild. It was easier to illegal gamble than it is to legal gamble if you're not supposed to be gambling, right? <laughs> it's easier to get caught now. I think there, we're at 33 states now. Uh, where they have some sort of legalized gambling. And, and and I think initially, Mike, everybody just looking at the situation will say, wait a minute, if you allow gambling, why can't they then gamble? But even though some things are allowed, they're only allowed to certain people, like the drinking age is 21. So alcohol is legal if you're over 21. If you're under 21, it's not legal. So you can have legal gambling, but it can still, you still... It could be against your rules. Like for college athletes, you can't gamble at all. For the NFL, we found out you certainly can't gamble on football. And if you gamble on something else, you can't do it while you're in, which is so weird. If you're in the team facility, if you're on the team bus, if you're at the team hotel, if you're at a team structured place, you can't do it. And that's what some guys got banged for. Others that gambled on football, they lost a year of the time. But in college... It's, it's definitely, and this is what's interesting because as you mentioned, the police came. So this is criminal. This is beyond NCAA, you know, violations where these schools have like pulled these players out of their sport right now while the investigation is going on. But when it turns criminal, that means other stuff is going on. You know, that's just not a kid who's breaking an NCAA rule uh, by gambling when he shouldn't. So there's other things going on. So I don't know. I, I don't know your thought. Do you think, hey, since it's legal, you know, let them let them gamble if it's legal. Or do you still think there should be some lines, even with the college athletes, in not being able to gamble, even though the gambling is legal in their state? Yeah. So, and, and to clarify, the NCAA rule is you cannot bet on a sport that the NCAA sponsors. So, as they've pointed out, like UFC, you can bet on horse racing, you can bet on, and there's no issues there. But if the NCAA sponsors that sport, and it doesn't have to just be at your institution, it's if they sponsor that sport anywhere, anytime under the NCAA umbrella, you can't be gambling on that sport. And that's communicated pretty clearly to everyone. That's been pretty consistent. And even now, I'd imagine, as I saw some athletic departments, I think Florida had one of their emails circulating around the internet right. that they had sent to their athletes saying these are the rules. I'm sure they went over that before their respective seasons. If any compliance department is worth their salt, they brought that in, especially now that gambling had been legalized and in the states that it had been legalized, and said, hey, this is legal everywhere else. We can debate, and that's for us, if, like you said, some of these rules should exist. Should players be able to bet on leagues that aren't there? Should college football players be able to bet on the NFL without any penalty because they're not affecting that. They don't have control over that outcome. We can have that debate, but if you're a college athlete, this is like when I was getting randomly drug tested for weed in college. I may not have agreed with the premise of the rule, but it was in my brain enough and I didn't want to lose time enough to where I passed up smoking weed with Snoop Dogg at a concert, for God's right. sake. Like, at some point... Yeah you got to understand and operate within that if you want to protect your eligibility because the biggest thing I'm wondering coming off this is now, what's the punishment going to look like? 
We saw in the NFL, they took a year away from a couple of guys' careers and six games away from others just for betting inside the wrong place. And if you're the NCAA, who I think has even a different relationship with a lot of the legalized gambling than we've seen from pro leagues that are really in with it, getting money. I mean, we see, you know, ads for DraftKings for our company all over places right now. College football, that relationship and college sports in general, that relationship is a little bit different. And so what message are they going to try and send with really the first waves of this? We saw an Alabama baseball coach lose his job for connection to uh, gambling impropriety that just went on. But now for potential athletes that are involved in this. What is the message the NCAA sends? And I'd have to imagine, given what they want to try and preserve, which is this idea that competitive balance is not being affected. And again, when you say criminal, and again, this is worth repeating, May 2nd, Iowa University leadership was notified of a potential criminal conduct related to sports wagering that also suggested possible NCAA violations. They're going to try and protect, protect this idea that nothing is being tampered with, and that is equally beneficial to the gambling companies and to these universities that are a part of this system. I have a feeling we're probably going to see some pretty severe punishments in these cases. Well, I mean, I I think, I'll, listen, let's separate it from if law enforcement gets involved. Then that, that's a different world we're living in. But as far as NCAA, as far as the player's concern, I'm, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like I'm saying that that's all they can lose. But all they can do to them is, is make them ineligible, right? They, they can't yes. do anything else to them. And then if it's a lot of players or athletes are doing that, Maybe it could go higher to the athletic department where you maybe you lose scholarships or whatever. So it will be interesting on where it goes. But from the player standpoint, the worst that's going to happen to them, and it is bad, don't get me wrong, when all of a sudden, right. you know, and they've already been pulled out of competition, some, some players, is that you can't play your sport anymore, which, which is a shame. And, and the biggest worry, again, in gambling, I don't know if it's so much – Oh, it can be the player gambling if they have, especially if they're gambling on the team they're playing on because you have a lot of information. But you also know other people elsewhere and they know you. So an issue is other people getting to these athletes and getting inside information as well. You know, that, 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 that's something that you tried to protect the players from even when it was illegal gambling, when there was billions of dollars of illegal gambling going on out there. It was still the fear of players being approached or being getting caught in a compromised position of owing money and then having to do certain things on the field to make sure it goes the way of a gambler. That's that's the worst case scenario of all of this. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think that's what people are going to be guarding against because there's so many access points on a college campus. There's so many different sports. There's so many bigger rosters on these teams than their pro counterparts. And so there's all those avenues for information potentially. And you're right. That should be the goal. Like as this progresses, and I'm sure the NCAA in the wake of all this is going to have to think a lot about their stance on this. It would be a lot easier to have rules changed around players being allowed to bet on professional sports. Like that notion that you can only, you can't bet on any sport. The NCAA sponsors seems sort of silly, right? Why, if they're betting on pro baseball or pro football or pro basketball, should that be an issue for everything? And this was consistent with how we talk with the NFL betting on your sport and the sport you particularly play. No go. I can understand even if you're a college player saying you betting on college athletics, a no go there. You stay strictly in pro sports. And the one thing we've seen is people are very capable of tracking all this in a day and age where this is all happening online and done largely digitally. They're going to find out. So in the meantime, college players guard your eligibility. You got four or five year window to be able to go out here and maximize this. We can all disagree, protect yourself, understand the landscape you're living in right now and operate accordingly. As we have seen all of this now come to a head in a big time way as the state of Iowa apparently really, really likes them some sports gambling. All right, well, unfortunately, technical difficulties here. We weren't able to get a hold of Shana Goldman. Make sure you check out Too Many Men, though. We'll be plenty of great breakdown on this, I'm sure, from her, Sarah Sivian, and the rest of the crew. You can read her over at The Athletic. But, uh, Dad, we did have the NHL draft lottery go off last night, and production was a little wonky, but ended up with the end result of the Chicago Blackhawks getting the number one overall pick. And a name I just learned yesterday that caught hockey Twitter very excited about 
is it seems oh. like they basically won the rights to Connor Bedard, who I asked hockey fans online on a scale of one to Connor McDavid, where is this young man in terms of a prospect? And the answers were either 99% Connor McDavid, the best since Connor McDavid, or just flat out Connor McDavid. So it seems like Chicago, who's got the first overall pick for the first time since they took Patrick Kane in 2007, has a lot to be excited about. And I've seen plenty of numbers pouring in that apparently it's already driving up season ticket sales and all those things that you'd expect with a player of that caliber. How sick are you if you're Anaheim or Columbus? Because Anaheim had the, you know, it's the old ping pong ball system of how many you get in the odds. Anaheim had the best odds to get the number one pick. The Blue Jackets were second, and Chicago was the third best odds to get the number one pick, and Chicago got it. For a kid, I love how they say it, uh, the team he plays on is in the broad plains of Saskatchewan, where the winter temperature (laughs) hovers around 12 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, He's a Vancouver native, 17 years old playing in a league where they sell out all their games, including the 17,000-seat arena the Calgary Flames play in. This kid has played in the in the junior worlds, and when he did, he's broken records uh, held by Gretzky, Yager, and Lindros. Lindros, I mean, the kid is just unreal. They say he has one of the best shots to come out in a long time. And how committed is he? So much so that the family was going to take a trip to Hawaii for a week. And he balked at going because he didn't want to be away from hockey because certainly you don't think of hockey when you think of Hawaii, even though, you know, they both start with the letter H. And he balked on that trip. And sorry, I had to do it. Plus, I had to make sure they both started with H. But they finally relented. He brought his hockey stick and he brought his blades and he ended up with the hockey stick and the sidewalk or, or parking lot or whatever and worked on his game for the week he was in Hawaii. So that's the only reason that he ended up going on that trip. So uh, unreal. The kid is 5'10", maybe, looks like he's about 10 years old and is going to be the top pick of the draft He's a, and, and said that he just has an incredible shot. Uh, very excited to check him out. Any comparison to Connor McDavid, who is one of my favorite people in sports to watch because he's so singularly good, you don't need yep. a lot of expertise to tell, is a great boon for them. I can understand a lot of people questioning why Chicago even had the opportunity to have this first-round pick, considering the sexual abuse scandal that they are just coming off of, uh, dealing right. with that organization. But certainly that doesn't have any bearings on the young man who we're very excited to check out and see. So again, you can check out Too Many Men. I'm sure they'll have plenty more on that. In the meantime, for us, Dad, time to finish this thing off. This, that, and the third. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Continue to petition for Brandon as he holds out for more money and refuses to <laughs> sing the song. Um, Dad, someone who will should be looking for a job somewhere else we'd imagine pretty soon is West Virginia basketball coach Bob Huggins who yesterday appearing on a radio interview used a homophobic slur pretty loosely on news radio 700 WLW on the Bill Cunningham show everyone on that show sounded terrible in this process laughing and yucking it up as this came and passed on air in a way that felt far too relaxed for a person that has lived their life this publicly for as long as Bob Huggins had as of our recording he is still employed by West Virginia in ways that I cannot understand. Yeah, came out with the apology, you know, which which everybody does. And, and he says he's not trying to to backtrack. He knows he was wrong. And then what happens is everybody kind of dissects it, right? Well, the way he said it, it certainly wasn't the first time he said it. You know, it sounds like he uses that word pretty loosely. So, again, you start diving into that. And we know we're in the cancel culture, cancel society of when something like this happens, you just assume somebody's going to lose their job. So we'll see. As as you mentioned, as as the taping of this, he still does have his job. If you haven't heard it and you want to listen to it, it it is. You're right. Everybody just sounds like, you know, the good old boys club. Everybody just kind of yucking it up. In an era where, I mean, you're just stupid, right? Right? I mean, if if you're saying this stuff publicly, just just stupid. It it really is. And... And, and those debate on both sides. Should it cost you your job? Some say absolutely, and others say, hey, a slip of the tongue and, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and give them another chance. So there's going to be people on both sides of this. Yeah, I, I think when you're the representative and one of the key representatives yeah. of a university, yeah. the way the basketball coaches for that kind of program, I don't think it's far-fetched to say that, yes, 
accountability in the form of losing your job for that and for them considering I don't think West Virginia's had a lot of top end tournament success under there that you could even fall back on to try and justify it this seems like a pretty easy one that they have not taken the plunge on yet which is a bit surprising so uh, I think accountability is in order considering how brazen this was as much as anything else an indictment of your decision making and your ability to have self-control in public if you are Bob Huggins um Let's get to that, Dad. Um, Nikola Jokic fined $25,000, but no suspension in the case of him and Matt Ishbia, the altercation in the most recent game, Game 4 of the Suns in Denver series. This is the outcome we expected and wanted. Um, I think cooler heads prevailed. Nobody wanted to see, especially with the dynamic of it involving an owner being a little bit too involved in the game action. I think this was the right move by the NBA. They can get away saying and feeling like they did something, and we still get Jokic on the court for Game 5. Yeah, and, and Matt Ishbia, the, the owner of the Suns, he tweeted out Monday morning, great win for the Suns last night in an amazing series so far. That should be and is the only story. Suspending or fining anyone over last night's incident would not be right. I have a lot of respect for Jokic and don't want to see anything like that. Excited for Game 5, go Suns. So I, it ended how I think a lot of us thought it was going to end. 25000 he'll go to his couch cushions and pull that out in coins, pay that and move on to Game 5. Yep, exactly. And smart move by Matt Ishby. You don't want to be the new owner coming into the NBA circle and immediately being the guy that mars this playoff series and controversy (laughs) in no small part due to your own actions. So heady play on him, already off to a better start than Robert Sarver was there. Uh, Dad, let's get to the third, though. The NFL schedule release is coming up Thursday, May 11th. It's turned into a huge song and dance. It's so much fun to watch what the teams come up with. But this year, different parameters for the schedule that will be taken into account, according to Adam Schefter and others on yesterday. Conference games are no longer going to be limited to specific networks, so everyone's going to have a shot, AFC or NFC, to broadcast different games. There's the Black Friday game coming up Friday of Thanksgiving week, and not every team guaranteed a primetime game. This, I think, definitely connected to the idea that now you can have teams playing multiple Thursday night games over the course of the season. Dad, you might as well just call it the Jeff Bezos rule, right? Ensuring that Thursday night football stops getting so many bad games so often and giving them the opportunity to curate some better matchups as the season goes along I'm always amazed every year at scheduling and I do a show for the release of the schedule for Westwood One who I call games for for the NFL and I'm asked all the time what was it like because people you know this Mike I mean when we were at our time at ESPN people go nuts over the release of the schedule and I get asked all the time man how great was it when I said I could care less I, I did not – all I looked for was how far I had to travel at times and was I playing, you know, in primetime games. And not always, wow, yes, because after you play in a couple of Monday night games, it becomes more of a pain because it messes up your week, quite honestly. So I was never into the whole, oh, I can't wait. But you know what? I've kind of thrown in the towel on that, and now because I know everybody else is so excited, so I jump into it in these shows and talk about the matchups and such, but – you know, I'm, I'm glad they, they stopped kind of the conference affiliation uh, as well. It's always good to tweak some of those things. But uh, it's it's interesting when it comes out. But, yeah, I, I do not wait for this one with bated breath. I hate to be Debbie Downer on that one. Like everything else, this is for the fans and usually not for the players yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. This show is for the fans. And if you liked it, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on DraftKings YouTube. Thanks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank.